Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Hot Mike's Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Williams, and today we've got another great guest. His name is Jeremy Neves. Jeremy's a good friend of mine. I've known him, well, from afar for a few years, but more recently started to network a little bit and become closer to him. And in 2009, he founded a company called Excite Satellite, which employed over a thousand individuals over a 10 year period. They generated over $70 million in sales before making a successful exit in 2019. During his time at Excite, Jeremy was passionate about helping his people become better leaders, increase their earnings, provide for their families, and serve in their community. During and after his tenure with Excite, he has consulted a number of businesses, most notably a company that he helped grow revenue by $90 million year over year. Jeremy's a powerful, compassionate, inspiring leader, who creates trust by being real. Jeremy's a great father, a great friend, and a great mentor to so many people like myself. Very thankful to know him. And another thing that's worth mentioning is this episode, during the first one minute and about 30 seconds, you'll notice that my audio is on, but Jeremy's, it was not. And I noticed that something didn't sound right when we were recording this live. And so, you know, I could hear it through my headset. And so, you know, I started messing with some of his settings. And at one minute and 30 seconds, we start to figure out what was going on. His audio becomes normal. So please do not turn off this episode during the first one minute and 30 seconds. Just bear with me. Again, it's a new podcast. We're learning as we go. You guys are along for the ride. There's not shit you can do about it. I'm just kidding. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Again, this is Hot Mics with Jeremy Nevis. Let's get it. That's a good title. All right, dude. We are live. Well, we're recording. We're not live. So <laughs> how's, uh, how have things been? Things are good, man. I know you, uh, you've, been, you've been busy the last, uh, what, 36 years? <laughs> I mean, you've been... 34? Is that that's all it's been? Years. You're only 34 years old? Yeah. You've accomplished quite a bit in 34 years, my man. That's 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 crazy. So, yeah. So so one thing I want to do here is because you're my so you're my first real uh, my my first real business guest, right? I mean, Neil, Neil was Neil's a great businessman, yeah. but for me, I mean, Neil the the big reason why I wanted to get in touch with Neil was because Neil was he's in the industry that I'm in, right? And we know a lot of the same people, and so for me. I also want to discuss things with with uh, with people that are in business that have done successful that have been successful, but then also people that have dealt with a lot of failures, right? Because I don't think that you can be successful without having a certain number of failures. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but um, so one thing I want to do with you is is if you if you wouldn't mind giving a um, kind of a not not really a resume, but give me give me your, give us your background here on on where. I mean, because you grew up in Utah. Yeah, grew up in Utah. Okay. Yeah, grew up in Utah. Um, I was in Provo. Um, been here my entire life. Um, as a young kid, um, so one of five kids. I'm the second oldest. I've got an older sister, two younger sisters, and a younger brother. Um, and uh, had parents that were incredible at teaching us to, to be entrepreneurial. Right. Um, at the same time, you know, my dad was like, don't be an entrepreneur, go go get a degree, go be a doctor. But, but they, they were from a young age, like you want something, go and work for it. And so they taught us hard work and, um, yeah, I mean, if you say resume or kind of my upbringing or kind of where I got my start, I'd say I got my start as a young, you know, I look at my son, my five-year-old today and, 
and I, I think it was about that age when I just started getting hungry for things. Like I wanted a toy. And so I was like, Hey, well, if you want a toy, you got to do some chores, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, um, you know, I, at school they had fundraisers and I just remember if I look back, like some of the most, you know, uh, most incredible times, I think in training me to be in sales and in business and entrepreneurial was like when there was a school fundraiser and it's like, yeah. you know, oh, you yeah. could, you could earn a, um, you could earn like a pencil if you sold this amount pencil. or a bouncy yeah. ball. Um, <laughs> but if you did really good, you could get like the yo-yo, yeah. you know, yeah. you could do the rocking cradle and all the different tricks with like, that was cool. The fireball was the name. I always wanted like to get those things. And so, um, at a young age, like I was going door to door in my neighborhood selling chocolates or selling, um, you know, those cards for the schools or whatever else. And so I just learned how to have conversations with people and to, to adapt and, and read body language and, yeah. and sell a vision and tell them why I needed it right. and, and why they should be a part of it and why they should join. Um, and that led into really everything else. I, you know, I wanted to have a car when I turned 16. So at like 14, my dad's like, if you want a car when you turn 16, you better start working cause I'm not buying it for you. <laughs> so, you know, I did construction cleanup when I was 14, 15. I, um, I washed windows. Um, I had all sorts of different jobs and, um, you know, some of them were sales jobs, some yeah. of them were, you know, manual labor, work, manual yeah. labor, you know, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, that's, kinda... that's, that's, that's cool, man. It's funny, you know, cause you, you shared something on Instagram, I believe, or Facebook. One of I mean, they're one in the same nowadays, yeah. but with, uh, with Nixon, yeah. he, he was out, he was out, uh, he was selling, what was it that he was selling door to door? The first day. And then you the... showed his, you showed his, his drawer. <laughs> yeah. It was full of money. Yeah. That's like, that's awesome. So the first day, this was not long ago. This was a few weeks ago. I came home and, and Nixon's just like. Dad, I want to I wanna sell some stuff. And I was like, I'd never talked to him about this out before. Out of nowhere. Yeah, just out of nowhere. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because I want some money. I'm like, well, why do you want money? He's like, I want to buy some toys. I'm like, okay, what do you want to sell? He's like, I don't know. And then I, he disappears. I'm downstairs in the kitchen making some food. And 10 minutes later, he comes down. I hear this clinking upstairs. <clears throat> he comes downstairs and he's got this like Tupperware full of odds and ends toys like his piece, toys pieces like, to legos yeah like old toys of his pieces to legos a comb like random things and uh he's like i'm gonna go sell this and i'm like i'm not gonna burst his bubble like he's gonna go sell and i was like how like how are you gonna sell it he's like i'm gonna go knock on the neighbor's doors <laughs> i'm like i'm so proud right now <laughs> so i was there with the with i had both the boys my wife was gone and and so I'm like feeding, holding the baby in one hand, feeding him a bottle, walking up and down the street as Nixon is, is carrying this, um, these toys. And he grabs some Gatorades. He's like, everybody likes Gatorades. So he's going to sell Gatorade as well. Smart. And he goes up to the first door and these girls answer. And he like shows them the toys. And this girl was interested in this like little comb that he had, like a doll comb. And she's like, how much? He's like, $100. And like we had talked before and I said, what's your goal? Like you have to have a goal when you're going right. out to knock. And he's like, my goal is to make a hundred bucks. I'm like, okay, that's a good goal. Um, this is right off the bat. Yeah. A hundred dollars. Yeah. hundred dollars. So high. he tried to sell it for a hundred and she's like, you should have seen the look on her face. Like, whoa. <laughs> and, and she's like, I can't get it. Anyway, he comes back. And I'm like, Hey, let's talk about, let's talk yeah. about pricing. Let's yeah. talk about whatever <laughs> else. Anyway, he ended up making about $12 that night. And then, uh, he just kept asking to sell. And so, um, with the 4th of July coming up, my wife 
Um, my wife and I uh, decided, like, let's have them sell some glow sticks. Taryn oh, took nice. them to the store, went to the dollar store, bought everything they had in glow sticks. And uh, so he started selling that door to door and then took it to some fireworks shows and he made over $350 or something That's like amazing. that. That's <laughs> amazing. Those fireworks shows would be perfect for it. We went perfect. out, we went to the one up at university place and, and dude, yeah, if they were selling them yeah. out of bottom, totally. I mean, in a heartbeat, my totally. kids love, my kids love them. What's, what's, a, what's $10 when yeah. you're buying glow sticks, you know, yeah. for the kids, whatever. Yeah. And so they were just handing them out for free. So I was like, dang, yeah. Char- start charging something. Well, and when you got like a five-year-old, like a cute right. little voice, like, hi, would you like to buy some of oh, my glow sticks? Dude, like, yeah, how like, do you say no to that? Absolutely. <laughs> especially if you've ever had any, you know, sales. If yeah. If you've ever yeah. been in sales, you're yeah. like, I, I, love, support I, love, this. I love this person. I love you hustling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part of it all was when the sun went down at that fireworks show. It was Jimmy Rex's fireworks yeah. show yeah. that he, you know, generously does for the community every single year. It's incredible. Um, and, uh, and fortunate enough that he would allow Nixon to do this. So, but at the end of the night when the sun's going down to like look around and see oh, yeah. all your sales out there, That's like so cool, as a salesman, man. there's nothing more, you know, rewarding than looking out and seeing the fruits That's of your labor. Fact. So, that's yeah, he's catching idea. on and 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 following in my footsteps, and and I take no credit for that. I think he just he's been watching yeah. and seeing, and you know, subconsciously, I think we've been planting these things. But he's he's following in. Dude, kids are so observant, yeah. I, you know, and, and and especially Nixon. Yeah. I, that's one thing that I noticed about Nixon the first time I met him. I was like, this kid's only five. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's yeah. just he 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 picks up on a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he. Very, very intelligent and very well spoken as well. That's yeah. the other thing is, is, I mean, I don't know if that's you or if that's Taryn. I don't know who's who's doing it, but my goodness, man, I I saw that and I was like, you're five. Yeah, I was like, you're. Taryn does a great job communicating. Like, I don't know how women do it, especially my wife. Like, sitting at home oh. having conversations with children all day. Like, you're not having an intelligent conversation. Correct. But that's why he speaks so well. Is that she speaks to him. And and yeah. respects his opinion and has conversations. Still, parents, but sure. but they pick up on that. And they learn how yeah. to have good communication skills. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Absolutely, that's awesome, man. I, I love it. They uh, so you said he made about three hundred bucks over three hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, he made like three hundred over three hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, good for him. And he man. still has a bunch of glow sticks left. Does he? Yeah, <laughs> Does he sell them at the yeah. next. Uh... He he could have cleaned up. He he would have sold everything that night, but he was so tired. It was three hours past his oh, bedtime. Geez. And oh, he's like, yeah. mom, dad, let me yeah. just sit down. I'm like, all right, dude, I'm not like, we were making him keep going longer than he wanted just because like, you got to, you committed to doing this. You got to follow gotta through. It. But then there was a point where it's like, all right, dude, it's 10 o'clock. You used to go to bed at seven. Like you're tired. Yeah. You can relax. And they, get, they get those weird pissy yeah. moods. And yeah. Like, okay. Like that was my kids last night. Yeah. I had his first uh, football practice and he did great, but dude, as soon as we got home, it's just like that's his comfort place. So as soon as he stepped out and he wanted to do something, I was like, no, let's go inside. Boom. Yeah. You know, tears start flowing. So it's just, it's funny, man. Kids, kids are very, they're interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So <laughs> now, now speak, you know, going from, from Nixon's business. Now yeah. I want to kind of want to step into your background with, with your, cause I know your, your background when you were growing up. Yeah. Now explain to me. So you went to high school out here in Utah. And then after that, did you serve a mission? I did. So you served a mission. Where'd yep. you serve? Served in California. Where at? Arcadia Mission. Okay. So East LA, Glendale, served, Pasadena. So you served in a kind of interesting areas? I don't, I don't know. I'm not familiar Mine with Mine was like, of. it had everything. So like I went from Diamond Bar, you know, which is mainly white, La Cunata, which is one of the richest zip codes in California. Really? 
Um, you got like Bentleys and Ferraris and Maseratis in the parking lot at church. Um, and then I went straight from there to East LA and you know, where it's like, there's, it's not white. It's completely Hispanic. You got the sixth street gang. We lived on sixth street. Like it was, it was a different world. So we, we had it all. And and then, you know, there was Arcadia was primarily Asian. Like, so it was diverse. Yeah. It was, I served mine in, I've served mine in Fresno. Wow. Fresno was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. about as okay as Fresno, as you'd imagine Fresno. Yeah. But no, it, it's cool, man. So, okay, so you went, you got home from your mission. Yeah. Now, now is where, so I've, I've told some people about this, you know, they, they did, they said, oh, who, who is it? And uh, so I told them and they, they, you know, they Googled you, whatever they were doing, LinkedIn, I don't know how they were doing it, but they started pulling up everything that you've done. And so they're want, you know, their, their, their questions, they're like, well, how, how? You know, yeah. how did he get started and how did he just decide to start his own business? Yeah. Because where I'm from in Missouri, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you grow up in a farming community, right? You grow up in a farming community, you, you go to school, um, and then you, you get a very, not blue collar job. It's not like factory work, but everything you're doing, you're like coaches, teachers, that's it. And there's nothing against that. My mm-hmm. father was a coach and a teacher, mm-hmm. but there's no, there's no real aspirations to go and start your own business and do mm-hmm. all these different things. And so for you... I guess I kind of want to get in your mind here. On yeah. When you came back from your mission, how'd you start? How'd you decide? You know, I want to do this. Was it the fact that you're knocking doors out there already? And yeah, that was a big part of it. You're out knocking doors, trying to sell the gospel. Uh, you're trying to get people to give up all the things that they enjoy doing, and then 10% of their income. It's yeah. like that's a tough sell. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. And there's a lot of rejection. In fact, when I first started knocking doors, coming home from that. Um, I was surprised at how easy it was to get inside doors when you're selling a, a product, a commodity versus, um, you know, salvation. salvation. <laughs> yeah. uh, people were a lot more receptive to that. Um, but yeah, it was great training grounds, um, in, you know, in practicality, um, tactically in communicating with people and, yeah. and diverse backgrounds and how to, you know, how to associate and relate and, and add value and, and, and get and their attention. Read those body, like you said, reading your body yeah, language, read body language and, and understand how to just how to hold a, hold a conversation and, yeah. and, and add value to people's lives. And so that was great training grounds for it. Um, also mentally, um, it teaches you that the sky is the limit. Like anything yeah. is possible. You see people make incredible transformations um, in that experience, giving up things and, and sacrificing. And it just shows you like, man, what's really possible um, and how incredible humans are and Correct. what we're capable of. And so I came home with like the world's my oyster. I can do anything. And um, I had a brother-in-law that was selling door to door. He invited me to come learn about it. And I'm like, who was he selling for? At this time? Uh, he was selling for a company called Groove. Okay. It was a satellite dealer in Salt Lake and um selling internet phone tv products and um and yeah i i I was like okay yeah i'll come come try it out you know i um the thing that most interested me in the in the business was like that whole sky's limit like you eat what you kill um you know i had worked at a lot of different jobs and i had i had progressed in every single job and gone to that next thing you know I uh, went from a, a cook at Wingers to a busboy at Chili's and got an increase in compensation and then, yeah. you know, to a waiter and doing the different things. Like you realize there's more and more opportunity. Well, that's what it was with door to door. You could, you could go and knock more doors. And once you could only knock so many doors, you could recruit other people and train them and make money off of that. So right. I jumped in, um, I jumped in and started, uh, knocking doors there. I learned quickly. I had a lot of success early on, um, saw the opportunity um, asked what it took in order to progress. And they said, well, in order to become a manager, you've got to sell X amount of accounts, recruit X amount of guys. 
And that's how you become a manager. And I became a manager. And I said, what's next? Like, well, if you how, be long, a- how long was that? Between, so, between the time that you started and the time that you became a, a manager? Um, probably two months. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Two months. So I came home in <laughs> June. I came home. I started in June. Uh, no, I started in July of 2008. And from July of 2008 until May, this is the, probably the better timeline, until May of 2009, I went from a sales rep uh, by myself to a regional manager with five managers and 60 guys um, underneath me. Incredibly fast growth. Oh, and, absolutely. And, it, and it, look, it, that wasn't just me being a really, really good recruiter. Sure. I, I recruited some guys that were really good recruiters. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, brought on a lot of great leaders and, um, and we hit the ground running. So my first actual summer leaving, you know, people here in Utah know about the summer programs. Like, um, that's fast growth for, for summer sales. Oh, absolutely. And it didn't come uh, cheap. It seems like it did, but when you go out for the summer and I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't know how to run a region, let alone run a summer by myself. You know, I hadn't done it. So, and the company had never done a program outside the state of Utah. So oh, it was a recipe for disaster and we thought we were just going to figure it all out and it was just going to be easy. But, um, we ran into all sorts of problems with inventory levels, with, you know, sales projections, our, our market research that we did yeah. was, was off. I mean, we didn't know how to do those things. And so we had, I remember our, our first Saturday in, um, which city was that? We were in California somewhere. This Stockton, California. I think just now knowing Stockton, California, you would have sure. you would imagine this already, but we didn't. Um, we sold twenty six accounts that day, and not one of them credit qualified. <laughs> and we're like, oh, this is going to be a long Are you summer. Serious? Yeah. So like, you know, we had it's leases tough. on apartments, but you can't necessarily just leave. Yeah. So we ran into all sorts of problems, funding issues. We ended up getting like eviction notices on our doors, in our rent and our housing. Um, and I put my name on the line for all of these people. Um, I had, I had my sister out there. I had my cousin out there, family and friends, close friends that all trusted me. And, um, and then when it's not panning out some, some of it because of the training and the support that we gave and, and, and some of it because of, you know, obviously they, you know, they could have, um, done things different as well. We all a bunch of learning, but at the time it was like, man, this is heavy. I yeah. started the summer with 60 guys. We ended up finishing with 12. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. So it was like a big, you Jeez. know, wah, wah, wah. It was terrible. And so, yeah, that, that led to starting my own company. Would I have started a company and been a business owner, you know, at some point? Yeah. I, I had the entrepreneurial spirit since I was a young kid. I was always about progressing and, 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 and leading and, and helping add value to other people. But this was kind of like, it, it forced my hand a little sooner than I was ready. I would have been at that company for a while. Right. Um, but I felt responsible and they hadn't paid some of the people that I put my name online for. Yeah. So, um, you know, I went in and I was just like, we need to get these guys paid. They're like, well, we'll pay them. We'll pay you if you, if you sign another contract for another year. I said, that's not how this works. You pay them and then maybe and I then, will yeah, sign. Exactly. <laughs> not if I sign, you'll pay on the last Trying contract. Hostage, man. So, um, so September of 2009, you know, I'd been in this industry for 18 months, um, went online and set up an LLC and, um, my brother-in-law and I, you know, decided to go off on our own and start our own thing. Own your own money. Did you guys get a, I mean, did you get a business loan from no. anybody? No, we That's didn't amazing. have any money. In fact, we started it in his spare bedroom of an apartment complex that he had. 
Uh, he was just recently, you know, married to my sister and they didn't have any kids at the time. So it was just their spare bedroom. Sure. And we, um, we would go out ourselves. So once we got our codes and, and brought on as dealers, we'd go out and sell an account. And then we'd, you know, we had a technician. Um, we would then order the inventory on a credit card, um, pay for the inventory up front, have an installer go install it. We'd get paid two weeks later. And we just did that until we accumulated enough right, money. Right. And uh, we answered the phone uh, in a different <laughs> voice as customer service. You know, we, we did everything. And, no um, you know, I think the most we went in the red was like a couple thousand dollars in inventory until we were in the green. And we were in the green from then on. No joke. And, uh, yeah, never took on outside money or whatever. We funded ourselves by, by creating sales. You don't, you don't hear that very you often. You can sell your way out of any problem. I mean, once you know fact. sales, that's, that's kind of what you can do. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, you never you 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 never really hear about that. At least growing up where I did, where yeah. it's not as entrepreneurial focused, you don't hear about people just starting a business and and you know, every time they start one, it's well, here's my business plan. Here's every single thing and they're they they extend it out real, you know, a super long time trying to make sure everything's perfect. Yeah. It sounds like you guys, man, were just like, well, shit, let's just let's just get it. What do we have to lose? Right. I think a exactly. lot of times people are so afraid. It's the fear that keeps them from doing something, right? right. They're afraid of doing something. Um, I was afraid of not doing something. Yeah. So where's the fear, right? Um, some people are just like, I want to settle. I want to prepare. I want to do all of these different things. It's like, well, look, the at worst case scenario, I have what I already have. Like I can go take another sales job somewhere else. Right. And I can keep getting paid to just go sell. Yeah. Why not just try and go and sell for myself and figure it out? And we made a lot of mistakes. Like we sure. didn't no inventory levels and you know technicians and our contracts with our people we made a lot of those mistakes that ended up costing us a lot of money and and time right. but like not as much time as maybe it would cost somebody else who would like analyze everything and and procrastinate doing it because they didn't want to do it wrong we just went and made mistakes as fast as we could and then sold our way out of it yeah learn from it it's it, yeah i i love that man it's that's one of the things I've actually started to do, and I, and I didn't really realize it until just now that yeah. I, I do that at my job, right? Where I'm like, well, yeah, we can, yeah, we can sell that. Yeah, no, no problem. We can, we can fabricate that. We can, we can manufacture that. Then you do a, you do an AAR, which is an after action report. And so you're dealing with your project man, your program managers. And they're like, uh, we don't, we don't have this product. I'm like, well, let's make, make it. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so it's, it's funny, but you're exactly right though. Cause as soon as that happens, you know, you just sold a $2 million shooting range or whatever it may be. Yeah. They're going to figure out a way, yeah. you know what I mean? Spending 50 grand on, on R and D to create this new product. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And then you're going to have it, you know, down the road. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, and, and I, and I told, I told this to Will Branham. He's one of the Navy SEALs. We just had him on just the other day. I told him this, you know, I had, so Mark Lamb, when he came on, he talked about how timing is never good. Mm-hmm. Never situations are never perfect yeah. ever, ever for anything. And so, you know, with, and I wasn't even planning on starting the podcast that, that soon, but when I was down there, it was like, well, how many, how many times am I going to go down to Arizona and hang out with this guy from life PD? So I went down there, took the stuff down and it, yeah. it turned out. Okay. I mean, yeah. we're going to have another episode, but for me, it was, um, it's all about timing, man. And he said, timing be damned. Sometimes you just got to do. And then I was like, well, all right, I'll start. You know, I started, I, that's when I bought the whiteboard and all that stuff, started writing down all the guests. I've got you, Jimmy, Sean, Neil, everybody like lined up and everybody's getting like checked off. So, yeah. um, 
you know, I, I think there's a lot of value in, in writing stuff down. I mean, I, I feel, I'm looking at your whiteboard right here. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but when I start <laughs> writing stuff down, yeah. it, it holds weight with me. And I don't, is I, do you, do you find yourself? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I More mean, so than typing. Oh yeah. Well, and there's actually some science around it. Not, not that I'm that guy that, that can rattle off what it is, but sure. the, the, um, the receptors and the, like, uh, yeah, see, I can't be the guy that rattles that <laughs> off. But when you're actually physically writing, there's more neural receptors and there's more um, remembering that happens when you actually physically write something versus when you type something. Right. Um, uh, my good friend Tony could, could explain that perfectly. He's the one <laughs> who teaches about all this positive psychology and, and, and how to anchor these things. But yeah, writing has always been a big thing for me. And putting it on my whiteboard and putting it somewhere where I can see it exactly. holds me accountable to it. And I'm a, I'm a task, like I can be a task, you know, guy, I want to be the hero of, of my story. So it's like, I put this thing up there. I'm, I want that check mark. Right. Right. Sometimes you get it, get it up there and you realize, you know, the, the path changes, your priorities change, whatever else. And that's fine. But yeah, it's, you put it on, you put it up there, you, yeah. you hold yourself to it. And I think it's just the masculine essence is like, yes, you know, I've got to, I've got to conquer. I've got to do, I, I committed to it. My honor is my word. My word yep. is my honor. I got to do it. That's yeah. I had a friend last night. So I, I'm kind of a nerd. We get on, we get on, it's called discord. It's a, it's like a video, it's a chatting thing. So I've got all my boys back home. Right. Cause I, I don't, I don't have a real tight circle out here. Yeah. So I just, you know, I get on the computer, we hop on, just chat. And so for me, they see it in the background from my camera and they're like, what, what's all that? Cause they see some of them have lines through them. Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, those are, those are guests that I've had on. Those are gold, you know, things that I've already completed. And they're like, why don't you just, re- why don't you just erase it? And that's where it comes, the masculine thing, right? Where I'm yeah. like, well, I just like to see that it's done. So, yeah. I mean, that once all those are crossed off, then then yeah. I can erase those. I feel good about it. But, yeah, yeah it's just, man, guys are funny. We are, <laughs> I mean, the way the way we uh, we view things is, it's interesting. Yeah. We're just, there, there's a certain, I hate saying arrogance, but the, there, there is a little bit of arrogance with, with, with guys. I, 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 and maybe I'm wrong. There can I mean, be. You it know doesn't I mean? have to be. And, and it doesn't have to be. A, it, yeah, it doesn't have to be like a like a negative thing or anything. But um, I don't know. And maybe arrogance isn't the right word. But that's just yeah. I, I I've, I've found a lot of value from people out here. Um, you know, because I've been I've been following you and Jimmy and, and and Sean for for years. And then you start to see deeper into that circle, right? You start to see the guys like Sam Taggart and other people like that and what they've done and what they're doing and the shit that they're going through. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I'll, t- I'll call Sam after this and just say, hey, I mentioned you in the podcast. And if he doesn't want me to talk about it, then no problem. But I see that Sam's going through some shit right now. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he, do you know Sam? Yeah, I know Sam well. So, you know, Good with man. his divorce, it just, that sucks, man. Yeah. It sucks. Um, and so Sam's starting to, he's, the stuff that he's putting out is, you know, he's talking about his, his mental health and how things weren't right for him. And, and I think, dude, I, I, I eat that up. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's stuff people don't usually talk about. Yeah. Um, and that was the big reason why I wanted to get in touch with you yeah. was because you had shared some stuff that people don't don't normally want to talk about. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you're, so take take your pick, right? I mean, you got the so you're the thing you did with Nixon, right? With yeah. the the um, with the dolls, with the dolls, the the miscarriages. People don't like they don't like to discuss those things because it makes them feel I don't know if it makes them feel sad or it makes them feel uncomfortable, right? Yeah. But the, I mean, how many people don't have to deal with that stuff? You yeah. know what I mean? They've never had to deal with, you know, a doctor telling you that, hey, yeah, there's no more heartbeat. Yeah. Um, 
they don't have to deal with the, and I, and I don't know if Taryn had to have, you know, I don't know if there was any like stillbirths or anything like that, but they've never had yeah. to deal with that stuff, right? Yeah. And that's some heavy shit, man. Yeah. That's heavy. Well, not a lot of people have had to deal with it, but then there's also a lot of people that have. Yeah, and exactly. I think that's why it's important to talk about is like the people that have, like if you're going to go through hard things, which we all are, right? Um, and we're going to struggle with things, um, at least like, at least part of the way I look at it is like the, the, at the very least, I want to, I want to feel like it was for some reason. Right. And sometimes that reason is so that we can help somebody else. Yeah. And they don't and feel so, like they're so alone. In yeah. You don't feel alone. Stuff. You can get the support from other people. And sometimes that's what it is. And sometimes it's like, look, how can I, how can I share what I'm going through and, and potentially help somebody else who's going to go through this or is going through yeah. this? Um, and, um, and, and get resources. And that's been an incredible opportunity for me. And I, you know, I, you know, you brought this up by talking about some of my friends that are very good at this. And, and that is one of the things I, I cherish about my, my tribe is, is their vulnerability, their willingness to open up and share. Um, and it's funny how people think that that will get you, uh, that that's a, that's a negative thing to do and how positive it really actually is, how, how much it brings people together. It helps you find who your people are. It, it helps you get the support that you need. It helps you uh, make a difference, inspire people. And, and it's been, you know, probably one of the most cherished things that I've stepped into over the last few years is it's who I've always been at my core. And I think most humans are this way, um, that want to share their truth and want to be connected and yeah. accepted. Um, but, um, taking the courage to just do it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that. And that was, that's the other thing is, is, you know, when, when, when I, and not to, not to take away from anything that you're saying, but whenever I had started this, it was, it was for me, it's like, well, what do people not like to talk about? Right. Um, they don't, people love to, people love to talk about themselves. They do. That's It's a, it's a, it's a human, yeah. um, it's just how it is. People, they do like to talk about what they're doing, what they've done. But for me, I also, you know, I wanted to make a big focus, things that people just don't like to talk about or yeah. they, they don't feel comfortable to talk about yeah. ex like exactly what you just said. Yeah. Um, and I like to talk with, with people that, yeah. that are, that are open about it. Yeah. Right. People that are, you know, cause I, I, you know, we, we had talked before this, you, you know, you were going to talk about the miscarriage and Nixon and just different things like yeah. that. that. I love it, man. I love that. And, and my friends back home, they're my, they're, you know, they're my boys, but there's a lot of stuff that they don't know about me because it, there's that fear within myself that I'm like, well, what if I tell them about this one time where, um, you know, things weren't right. And to give you an example here. So I haven't, I've Do told it. this, I've told this to, <laughs> Like four people, yeah. uh, through three people. Um, so it was, I had been out here. I just got done with track. I'd been out here for, well, from now it's, it's been about four and a half years. Right. Yeah. Um, I went up in, and my, my friends back home, they all think I'm all, you know, everything's all good. You know, I was the, you know, I did college track and stuff like do okay with, with my job. So they think everything's all good all the time. Um, and so for me, there was a day though, where I went up the Spanish Fort Canyon and dude, I had a, I had a little Taurus 38 pistol and I just sat, I just sat in the bed of my truck and, and I was like, I was like, this is, I, something's, something has to happen here. Something, you know, and this is where, this is where my whole religion thing kind of not dissipated. But for me at yeah. that time, it, it just, from then on, I was like, well, I guess I'm on my own. Right. Because mm -hmm. I, you know, I sat there and I did the whole, I did the praying thing and, and wanting to get, wanting to see something, you know, I, I'm asking for a sign. I'm asking just to see anything, 
any form of hope. And there was nothing, dude. I sat there for like six and a half hours and just, you know, just, not to, yeah. not to be super graphic, but I mean, I'm, I'm holding this gun up and just ready to, to go. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's actually super hard to talk about, but, um, you know, people, good on you for people, doing it, people just don't thank you, but people, they, they just don't see, uh, they, things aren't always what they seem, right? Yeah. People, people are always going through shit yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this and I wanted to start talking with people that I knew wouldn't be bullshitting me. Wouldn't, wouldn't try to act like, Oh, well, everything's good all the time here. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to dive into those things that people go through that unfortunately, um, well, no, that have fortunately shaped who they are today. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, I mean, can we, I mean, can we back backtrack here and talk yeah. about the whole thing with Nixon? Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I imagine that, well, I take your pick. Like I said, Nixon, the, the whole Lamborghini thing with people. Yeah. I'm sure you get messages all the, well, yeah. I'm sure you got a ton of messages about yeah. enabling or whatever it may yeah. be. You shared something on Facebook the other day yeah. about it and do people, yeah. it's a, yeah, just go ahead. Any, yeah. Yeah, so you, you mentioned you mentioned Nixon. So um, you know, I've shared shared on, uh, on a few different podcasts and, and and on social media. I've been open about um, you know Nixon. Nixon has loved um, all things girl, like princesses. Uh, he loves Disney princesses, especially Elsa. He loves them all now, but Elsa has always been his favorite, and and uh, and he loves dolls, and and you know he it all started. I mean, he loves his mom, and she's a beautiful blonde. She looks princess. like Elsa. Yeah, beautiful blonde princess, and since he was a young boy, he's always loved her hair. And anyway, he's just taken a, a big liking to those things. I think it's pretty normal for for boys to sometimes want to play with dolls. Um, but as a first time dad with my my first son, and growing up and playing sports and and you know being an adrenaline junkie and you know super super aggressive and competitive and things running, like that. Running from the cops. Yeah, all of it. And there's <laughs> yeah. stories there, right? That, to come home and like my son be like, I want to dress up and play dolls. Like that took me back. At first I was like, okay, this is cute. Like, this is cute. He loves his mom. He was young. He, he called it mommy doll. He took it to sleep and you know, uh, everywhere he went and it was just like his mom was there with him. Um, but then when he started to accumulate more and more dolls and, and wanted to play dress up and wear makeup and everything else, I was like, Ooh, it, what it was is I feared it. Like I didn't understand it. So I was afraid of it. And and I didn't know what it meant. And so I, you know, there was a time and I share this, like there was a time where I just had enough. I took everything away, put him to bed one night. I wrapped up all of his dresses, all of his wigs, all of his toys. Uh, and I threw it all away and went cold Turkey for a couple of weeks. You know, I thought, I thought we'd go cold Turkey. He started, you know, a couple weeks later, he's treating me totally different. Like really? energetically, he's like shunning me. Like he was always saying, go away, dad. Um, you know, and, and pushing me away. And I, I felt this resistance and I, I started to wonder like, does he know that I was the one who took his stuff away? Does he feel like I'm not cool with him? Like I love him, but like, this is just enough. And like this phase sure. needs to just be sure. over. It's just a phase, right? Sure. Um, and I had a conversation. I, I, I was out of, out of state having a conversation with one of my mentors and my mentor really just challenged me. And he's the one who helped me see that this was a fear. He, he just asked, what are you afraid of? And I was like, oh, I don't know. He's like, no, what are, you, what are you afraid of? And he didn't let me off the hook. I was like, I don't know. I'm afraid that, I'm afraid that my son's going to get made fun of. I'm afraid that, um, 
parent, other parents probably are questioning me as a parent, like, what are you doing letting him do this? Um, worried what, what other people think. Um, he's like, what else? And I was like, oh, I'm afraid that he might be gay. And he's sure. like, whoa, how does that feel? And I'm like, oh, it's hard to say, but like, I'm, like, yeah, I'm afraid he might be gay. Sure. I'm afraid that he might think he's a girl. I'm afraid that he might want to be a girl. And um, had no idea how much fear had over me, but he goes, well, what if all those things were true? And I was like, oh man, that'd be really hard, like really hard. And he's like, would you still love him? Like without a doubt. Yeah. Absolutely I would. And he's like, don't you think it's important for him to know that? And um, it really just hit me like, it's not about what I like and what I do and what I expected my son to be. And I see how as parents, we can fall into that trap of trying to get them to be us or what we want. But like, that's what he enjoys. Why is that wrong? Um, there's nothing wrong with it. And it doesn't mean anything yet. Sure. It may mean something and it may be those things, but like more than that, what do I want? Absolute most is I want my kid to know that I love him. And if I, if I, I've just got to figure out how I can best show him that. Yeah. If that means supporting yeah. him, saying yes, playing along, getting involved, then that's what I'm going to do. And people have, people have, you know, both sides of the fence here are like, oh, you're going a little too far. Like my original fear that people are thinking that, well, guess what? Like, this is what I know. This is the best that I know how to do it yeah. to show him that I love him. So I came home from that trip. I went, picked up my son, took him to the store. We brought, bought the most beautiful Elsa dress you could find. A few weeks later, um, the one I ordered online that fits me, six, six, three, 220 pound dress. That. <laughs> uh, and I dressed up and I surprised him with that. And he was, he was lit up yeah. and, um, you know, we dressed up and went and saw the new frozen two together. That's I, I just, awesome. I just, that's how I knew I could yeah. show him that I love him and I support him. And you know, he loves basketball. I go support him with basketball. He he's getting into dirt biking, which I'm at first he hated, but now he's getting into, I'm like, I support those, but I also will support the dolls and I will play it because I want him to know I love him first. Yeah. yeah. And then whatever else is, is whatever else. And that's, that's exactly right. How many times do you see about kids growing up and, and not, not just, not just kids that are you know, gay in high school or whatever it may be, but they're, they're so afraid of, they don't have anybody on their side. Yeah. Right. And so for if you them, don't have your parents, that's what do you what I'm have? Saying. But if you're afraid to tell your parents or talk to your parents about things, then, then, you know, then say you say you're being ostracized by kids. You feel like you're being ostracized by your parents as a high school kid, as a middle school kid, even some elementary school kids. They're thinking, well, I don't have any, like, I'm, I'm literally alone. So, you know, you read about it all the time. Kids, yeah. kids, and not, not to be super graphic, but kids are hanging themselves with belts. And, you know, it's yeah. just, it's a sad thing, man. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm 100% with you there. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, because having not known you or Nixon, having just seen the, the very first thing I saw on that Instagram video was the subtitle that said, my son wants to be a girl. Mm -hmm. it, or what is that what why was, do I have a son that wants to be a girl yeah that was that's what it was and I was like oh okay and, and and I can tell you this you know full transparency that's just my first thought was like oh okay yeah no and then after I, I think it was someone else had shared it that's in your in your tribe in your circle yeah. so I watched it and I was like damn <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. that's not at all what I had had anticipated yeah. right I mean it's 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 just totally different than than what I think people think. And so for me, I started to think about it and I'm like, well, how many things have I, have I told my son he can't do? Right. And, and it's never anything crazy big, but who knows if that ends up being a passion for him. Right. And, and, 
am I going to be the person that denies him his passion or his love, whatever, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, Kai, my oldest, he loves, loves all things sports. And I find myself very guilty of, of not favoring him, but he's very, he wants to do whatever dad does. And so me and him, I'm like, sweet, let's go, let's go get you new cleats, whatever you want to do. I ask my second oldest and I'm like, Bodie, what do you want to do? Nothing. You know, I'm, I'm all good. So I'm like, okay, fine. Well, then, then a lot of my attention gets focused on Kai. And so I, I find myself not really, um, that's what I'm looking for. I don't, I don't really distribute my, 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 my attention. That sounds terrible. Um, maybe, maybe it's this, it's like, look, the things that you resonate with, it's easier to get involved and on board. Correct. With, right. Like, like you with and the dirt just, bikes and all that. That's stuff. just natural. Like, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's okay to be excited about that, but there's an opportunity to find, like find a way to enjoy with them the things that they enjoy. Now, right. Yeah. How would, how would you, how would you tell someone or how, how could you share with someone? How do you, how do you get to that point where, because I can't imagine it, it was a blast to think about dressing up in an Elsa dress and, and driving. Bro, that sh- shit's uncomfortable. That's, like, yeah. excuse my so language. How, do you, deal, how like, do you deal with that though, mentally? I mean, that's... It's not even like, that's not even the thought though. The thought wasn't even the dress. Like putting it on, it's like, oh, that's uncomfortable, right? The thought is, I want to see that kid smile. I want to see that kid laugh. I want him to, I want to see him look at me and know that I love him. You know, before this, I saw the other side, Okay. When we would play toys, intuitive, kids are intuitive. They read oh, yeah. energy and they Absolutely. understand energy that you can say one thing, but if you say it, like you can look at your dog and be like, you're such a stupid dog. Yeah. I hate you yeah. so much. And they'll <laughs> wag their tail. And they'll yeah. look at like, right. Yep. It's the same way with kids. Like what you say and how you say it are, are you know what I mean? Like they understand the energy. Yeah. Right. And so we would be playing and, and he'd be playing some game and he'd be like, dad, will you play with me? And I'll come play. And he would want to be the girls. And he'd be like, dad, you've got to be one of the boys. And I'm like, well, why can't I be one of the girls? Right. He would treat, he would act differently. He'd be like, because you're a boy and da, 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 da. And, um, and then he'd be shy about it. Like I like, he'd explain me to me. He's like, I just like the girl stuff, you know, whatever. And he, you could tell he felt like he was doing something wrong because he'd learned that somewhere. Right. Yeah. And so there was this whole thing where he would never let me be the girls. It's this stupid as this might sound to somebody else. When I came home dressed up like, when he came in and I was dressed up like Elsa, he was like, oh, dad gets it. It's fun. Dad's, dad's down. Dad's willing. He, he put on a wig and a dress. He can be a girl if he wants to be. Taryn's right? like, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I just own it, right? Yeah. And, and he lit up. So... Look, I don't enjoy dressing up like dolls. Sure. I don't, I don't enjoy playing, you know, some of these games that he wants to play. I would much rather ride dirt bikes around the neighborhood. Um, but when, when it's like, I want to see my son be happy um, and I, wanna, I want him to feel loved, yeah. like that's the goal. What do you want most? Like then it's easy to do whatever the thing is, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah. You start making it more about them and, and, and how they're feeling and yeah, things like take that. Take yourself out of it. <laughs> and that's a problem. And dude, I have that problem now, or I've yeah. had that problem. I mean, it's just how it is, is I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to go do that thing because I think it's dumb. I, th- yeah. I don't, people are going to think I'm, I'm dumb. My friends back home, I post about that. They're going to think that's stupid. And so the last like six months, man, it's, it's something that I'm like, well, who gives a shit what people think? You know what I mean? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Well, I mean, what are they going to say? Are they going to especially people without kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't know. They don't know anything. About Way it. less people think that 
the negative thought that you think they're going to think too. Correct. So yeah, let's That's first exactly let's right. not care what people think, but let's be honest, we're all going to care what people think because we all need yeah. connection, we all want to fit in, whatever else. We can work on that, but at the same time, like way less people think the negative thought that you're thinking they're going to have. So I think it's important to go fill your tank too. Like yeah. I, I notice when I like get to go play golf and I get four hours on the course on un- uninterrupted and I fill my tank and I have fun, it's a lot easier to come home and play dolls. Yeah. But if I go a month without playing golf and I'm coming home playing dolls every day, I'm like, let's go ride bikes, you know? Yeah. So go fill your tank. Your kids don't, they're not responsible for that. Right. Um, and then, then you can have the energy to go give them what they need. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that, man. It's, that's, that's the other thing is, is like you said, fill your tank. I mean, how many people, how many people just work, 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 um, without a whole lot of reward? I mean, and how many people just do that day in, day out? don't really ever do anything for themselves. And, and to be honest, I mean, I sent you and Jimmy and everybody that text, like there, there's a reason why I stopped with the, the, the maintenance side of the landscaping, dude. I just, every free minute that I had was people, you know, people. So Jimmy has a neighbor. She's like, Hey, can you, she's like, can you hit mine? Or can you, what, what's your, are you taking new clients? And I'm like, that's the last thing I ever want to hear, which is kind of funny because normally I'd be like, Oh yeah, absolutely. I am. But for me, it was more of like, a, oh, shit, like this is another thing that's going to yeah. that I have to do. Yeah. I felt like I was beholden that it was something I'm required to do is, is do everybody's, you know. And yeah. so for me, I'm like, well, I need I have to do some things for myself and I have to focus on some things that I that I like. And I got to be so around funny. people that I yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's such a powerful thing to become aware of, like, hey, this thing, when I get asked this, I feel this. Right. Why do I keep doing it? And some people, they just on the hamster wheel, they're just like, oh, I, I got to just keep doing this. No, there's, there's other yeah. ways to, there's other ways to do this and you don't have to do things just because you have done it that way. doesn't mean you have to keep doing it that way. And, uh, no, I respect you I, for honoring that I and, and that. doing what you need I, to do. I appreciate that. And I think I learned that from my father. You know what I mean? My dad was a, you know, I love him, but he is a yes man. You know, if, if someone needs something, okay. Yes, man. Isn't really the, the right term, but he's, he's so hell bent on helping everybody no matter what no matter how inconvenient it is so he's 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 a good man to a fault right where you know yeah he's going to take time out of his day you know take time out of his weekend you know he had his church callings growing up he he was a school administrator coach did all these things for 40 grand a year whatever he was making and and he never ever did anything for himself and i thought that's how life was when you get older i, I was like well yeah, you just you just kind of bust your ass and and work till you're dead and and you know so I I get to be I've become very very grateful and very thankful that I've been able to to see you guys and I kind of considered you guys as like mentors from afar where I sat there and you know I kind of um, you know I I have a I've it's gonna sound weird but I've got like a, so I got a notebook of things that from that I've 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 picked up from you from Jimmy from um, for Sean, I had it because, you know, I, I had read his book, How to Get Shit Done. And that was, when, what, three years ago, four years ago that he released it. And so that was the first person that I started, you know, taking those notes of. And, and yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been a blessing to be out here. I mean, because, um, I, like I said, I don't, I don't really have a circle, but I have people that I, that I watch from afar to see how they handle things and handle situations. And, and so yeah, I just, you know, that's the other thing, guys. If you guys don't follow Jeremy, Jeremy, where, where can they see you on Instagram? What's your Instagram handle? Um, Instagram is just Jeremy Nevis, um, underscore after Nevis, but when you put in Jeremy Nevis, you'll find me. Yeah, if you guys get on there, Jeremy is a gold mine of, of 
um, experience and information, business. You guys can see the things with his, you know, with his kids and and you know a lot of family stuff lately. A lot of family stuff. <laughs> a lot of family that. stuff. People were saying it. the other day, like, "Hey, what what happened to your videos?" So I'm like, "Oh, dude, I'm like." we just got a new baby. Like yeah. it's, that's yeah. where I'm at in my life. I show you what's going on where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Focus on business. Hasn't been so as, as big. Speaking of your, speaking of your baby, um, you've had four miscarriages, four miscarriages. Yeah. Jeez. Four or five. Yeah. Four over how many years? Five years over five years. So, um, when Nixon, Nixon was literally one shot wonder, like sniper took the IED out first try, boom, pregnant. Like I thought I was the man. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be easy. We get to decide when we want to have kids, whatever else. So Nixon's six months old, and, uh, and my, my wife is like, she was on uh, birth control, and she like forgot to take it, and she literally told me, she's like, I forgot to take it. I have this really weird feeling that I'm pregnant. I don't think I've ever told anybody about this before. She's like, I have this weird feeling that I'm pregnant, so I'm going to stop taking it because if I am, like, I don't want to do anything to hurt the baby. Right. Sure enough, she was pregnant. Literally, it was like she forgot to take it like one day and, and whatever. So I don't know how that works, but <laughs> that was the truth. And, and, and uh, we're like, oh, cool. And at first, we're like a little stressed. Like, oh, man, we're not ready for another baby right now. It's like he's only six months old. This is quick. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, we found out that she, she miscarried. And it was crazy. You know, it was the first time. And, and even though at first we were like, oh, I don't know if we're ready for this. You, we got to a point where we're like, man, we were really excited to have a baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she went a little further. That she was what three months, three months pregnant when she miscarried, and and um, they had to go in and do a DNC, and um, you know just the terminology that they use there. Like they come in and like, oh, you're here for to abort your baby. It's like, no, we're not here to right. abort our baby. Just to get the operation to get. Yeah, we're getting the out. operation done because the baby died, but we're not aborting. Like, I mean, just that experience of like. You got excited and then you find out, well, you're not going to have a baby. And, and, um, you know, that was the first time, but it's like, I remember we went into the doctor's office, you know, they're, we're supposed to hear the heartbeat again. We'd heard the heartbeat, Ugh. you know, before, and they go in and they're like, uh, hold on a second. And they keep funneling around. And then they're like, let me go get the doctor. And we're oh. like, huh? And comes back in. Like, There's no heartbeat. And it's like, <laughs> what? You know, it hit us like a ton of bricks. I remember just sobbing. Um, putting our faces straight at the ground and like running out of the, we're not running, but walking out of this doctor's office, not wanting to look eye contact with anyone else. We're just sobbing like, oh, we just lost our baby. And then going in for the, you know, the DNC and then using the terminology, it was heavy and hard and and disappointing. And then, you know, we were really excited to have a baby, you know, at that point. So we're like, let's get back on the horse as soon as we can. They wanted us to wait a few cycles and we did. And I think it took about a year. We struggled getting pregnant. Yeah, uh, it wasn't as easy as we had thought it would be, and um, took about a year. We got pregnant again, and again had a had another miscarriage, Jeez. and then it was about another. I think it was about every maybe it was quicker than a year on one of them, but I think it was about every year um, we'd get pregnant and then you know lose the baby. One of them was an ectopic pregnancy, which means the sperm and the egg met in the in the fallopian tube and. And, you know, the baby starts growing in there and that super dangerous could kill the mom. So they had to do um, chemo treatments to go in and kill it Um, because she had already, you know, uh, miscarried. But like it still is growing and so it can turn into cancer. So, I mean, we went through it like it was heavy. Every time we went into a doctor's appointment, um, every time we have since Nixon. Yeah. I've got this fear, you know, well, first every month when. 
um, you know, our period starts, it's like this yeah. discouraging moment and experience of like, ah, it didn't work again. Sure. You know, we did multiple phases of um, artificial insemination and just like expecting this to happen. And it was discouraging. And um, then you go in the, every time you get pregnant, it's like, yeah. is this, is it going to be a heartbeat? And, Ugh. you know, since Nixon, we haven't experienced a heartbeat, you know, <laughs> all the way through. And it's like, Jeez. you know, as the husband, I'll say this, like, I didn't feel like I could process, I could show any emotion. I had to be the rock. I had to be the one that's like, I'm here to support you. You're the one going through this. This is your, you know, thing. But inside I'm like tore up too. Like I was excited. Yeah. You know, I've got these emotions. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm, I feel the loss. I feel the disappointment, but I've got to be like, it's going to be okay. We, you know, and, and be the positive outlook. And so there was a lot of years that I just buried that and yeah. didn't process it. Yep. It wasn't until this last miscarriage, the fourth one that, um, that I was like, I, I need help. Like I'm sad. I'm hurting like this yeah. is hard. So absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, and it's funny that you say that, that exact thing about feeling like you had to be there because I mean, I'll never take anything away from what, you know, what, females have to go through as far yeah. as giving birth, totally. getting pregnant, going totally. through the emotions. Cause you're going, there's so much that goes into it. You know what I mean? The yeah. hormones. And, and so, you know, you try to be as understanding as possible and then that happens and you're like, well, you know, there is a part of you that feels like, well, that's, that's my baby too. You know what I mean? But it, it's not growing inside of you. It's, it's a much more, uh, I don't know if much more emotional thing. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word for yeah. the, for the moms, but yeah. there's, you have someone growing inside of you. That totally. has to be something that, it's that different. guys can't Their comprehend. Their experience is different. Absolutely. Right? They've got the hormones. They've got the physical sacrifice, the Correct. throwing up, the sleepless nights, and, and, and then their emotions are all over the place. Yep. And I mean, look, they're in it. And yeah. that's why it's like, hey, look, this is more about them. And it is. But more right, wrong, whatever, yeah. doesn't mean that you don't have your experience too. Right. <laughs> you know, that's, and so. That's exactly right. And that's the big thing that I struggled with was, was trying to, you know, be like, well, I, like I, I need to grieve as well. But how do you grieve whenever she's so torn up, which understandably yeah. she should be. Like, yeah. I totally understand that, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and so for me, it was, dude, the one time that we did it, I was, you know, because we, we only had the, the one miscarriage. I was like, I don't know if I want to have another kid. Yeah. I was like, I can't do this again. I can't have her go through this again. Yep. Um, and so, you know, when we had, when we got pregnant with Declan, it was kind of the same thing, right? Where, um, you know, cause you, again, you had done it a lot more than most people. Right. Yeah. And so that fear has to just be amplified. But for yeah. us, you know, ha having just had the one, it was, it was so terrifying. Like you yeah. said, to go in and be like, okay, is this, you know, is this going to be, is it happening or not? Right. Mm -hmm. Cause the, the girls, they think that it's, well, Dan, Danielle, she thought it was something that she had done. So there was some guilt yeah. there that made me feel just terrible. I was yeah. like, it was nothing you did. Um, and so it, you know, it just, it just sucked. And, and the other issue was I wasn't there whenever she found out that, that she had the, you know, the baby had, yeah. had stopped growing. I was, I was up at, up in Heber for some work meeting and I get a call and, and you know, she's like, she, well, she sent me a text. Cause it's one of those things where it's like when someone dies, people are kind of in shock. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for her, it didn't register like, Oh my gosh, our baby's gone. She just sent a text that, Hey, doctor said there's no heartbeat. So I'm like, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I call her and she's, she's talking to me normal. And then she says it again, dude. And it like clicked. 
and just started just started just bawling. And I'm I'm crying, flying down the canyon at 105 miles per hour, just trying to get down. And and man, it was tough. It was really tough. Um, how how for people that that's the best way to 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 put this. I mean, because for me, I don't I don't deal with death very well. I never have. Never will for whatever reason. I can't go to a funeral without just feeling just so, so sad, dude. It's just whether I know the person or not. It's just one of those things for me. Um, would you would you compare that that grief to to losing one of your kids? It's it's definitely a loss. Sure. Right. I don't know if I could say like one of my kids would be similar because the connection and the time and everything else. I I haven't had that experience, but you're processing a loss. Yeah. Um, and you're processing a lot more like you're processing the, the thoughts of what if, yeah, I think my wife had ran a, a half marathon prior to one of them and had the thought like, did that, did I cause this? Did that hurt? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, you have been physically active your entire life. Yeah. Um, and, and you're supposed to continue to stay at the same active level. You know, obviously this early on stage, you're fine. Like yeah. you didn't, you didn't put this, but you know, so it's processing all of those things. And, um, also, so you're processing the loss of, you know, a loss. And then you're also processing like, um, a hurt spouse, somebody, the person you love the most in the world is, is going through something and you're going through it, but they're going through it. And it's like, you're trying to comfort. And yeah. so it's a tough thing. And I, you know, I guess the only thing I would say to people who are going through it, um, uh, is to communicate yeah. what you're feeling and, and to allow yourself to feel it, not bury it. Um, and, um, you know, look at the gift. I, I'm always trying to find what is, what is the lesson here? What is the gift here? Even in loss, you know, what is that opportunity? Well, it brought me and my wife closer together. Yeah. Our marriage has been, you know, great. We've had a great marriage, but we've had ups and downs and a lot of hardship and like um, times together and going through stuff like this and coming out the other side makes you stronger, makes you love them, appreciate them more. Make, we had, luckily for us, fortunately, we had our first child first. Yeah. And then we had yeah. these. We still came back and loved on our boy yeah. even more. And I love my second boy yeah. even more because of that. And I'm that much more grateful, full of gratitude and humility for the miracle of a child. And I don't take that for granted. And so there's a gift in it. And I right. think finding that gift, communicating your feelings, expressing and, and feeling those things is going to help you, help you come out on the other side. And that's so, yeah. So, so, so for those that don't know, um, you, you guys adopted. Yeah. Well, we did. Uh, was that was that what it officially was? Was an because I know that I can't remember her name. But, Alyssa. So I knew that Alyssa. So she had carried she had carried Baylor uh, yeah. everything. Yep. So will you explain that process? I yeah. Because because you went from the miscarriages to now, you guys went a different route here. Uh, yeah. Went the adoption route. So. Yeah, and Alyssa didn't just carry like it, that was her baby. Sure. Not, not sure. anything to do with us. We Correct. didn't know her prior to her pregnancy or anything else. Um, we had been working for the last two years, two and a half years. Um, on adoption. We just decided, you know, something early on in marriage, we both said, hey, I'd love to adopt at some point. When we were talking about kids and everything else, it was like, I think we could make a difference in the kid's life and I think it'd be a great experience. And, um, you know, 
especially if it's from a different culture sure. and everything else. Like there was all these things about adoption that were there. We didn't think we'd do it this young. We thought we would have, have our kids first and then adopt another child. And when we had this infertility issues, we decided, um, we decided to, to speed that up and do it now. And, right. uh, two and a half years working with agencies all over the country. Jeez. And, um, we, it was a grueling process. Uh, we said yes to 25 babies that didn't work out. Now, a lot of people don't know that, but it was, you know, talking about four miscarriages and then getting your hopes up 25 <sighs> times and it just not work out. What's, and, what's the, and I mean, what, what are the reasons behind, behind an adoption not working there's out? There's all sorts of things that can happen. Um, but like, you know, you're going through that process. You're given a, um, you're given, uh, you create a profile and you put that profile out there. The agencies um, will send you profiles of, of mothers, expectant mothers, um, all the details about them. You decide and respond yes or no. Um, I'm willing to adopt them. You send, you say yes, send your profile to them, and then um, they get to decide whether they want to place with you or not. Really? And um, it could be that like, you know, for some, it was hard that we already had a child. They were worried that we wouldn't love their child as much. Um, or that, you know, I was wearing black t-shirts all the time and had all black cars. I don't know that whatever it is that, you know, so that we live in Utah and they don't like Mormons, <laughs> whatever it is, it could be random things. Right? right. Um, but it's hard to, you know, you could take it personal and be like, oh man, why'd they choose them? Why didn't they choose us? And why 25 times? I think we're a pretty awesome family, you know, whatever it is. But, um, and, uh, we were getting burnt out. I finally came to, you know, I actually didn't tell Taryn this until later on, but, um, I was getting, I was getting to a point where I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. I was, I'd lost sight of my vision. And, um, I just, I had this feeling we were standing in line at Disney world and I had this feeling like we need to put this on social media. So I turned to her and I said, I have the strongest feeling we need to put this on social media. I know we didn't want to like try and pimp ourselves out to sure. get a baby. Sure. It felt weird. Um, but cause they told us about that couple years prior and we're like, no, you're saying you wanted to put the fact that you were looking, looking to, adopt. to adopt and wondering okay. if anyone had a baby. Cause we, okay. there's all sorts of things that can come up. You could get somebody that reaches out to you. That's like a family friend. That's like, you know, we want you to take our baby or we actually had a family <clears throat> member that people in our family wanted us to adopt the family members child. And we're like, this is weird. There's all sorts of complications that can come there. So we're like, we don't want to expose ourselves and go this path potentially. Um, and so but I said, I have this feeling. And she's like, if you feel that, I'm game. And so we came home, posted it. Uh, both of us shared it. It got 100,000 views in the first day. It got shared like 2,500 times. My network of people and people we don't even know shared it and shared it and shared it. 24 hours after we posted it, Alyssa, we've been working all over the country. Alyssa in Spanish work, 20 minutes south of us, <laughs> reaches out and says, I'm looking to place my baby for adoption. I'd love to meet you. And so we wow. set up a dinner, took her and her mom to dinner. We got to know her, um, learned about her story. She had been adopted from Kazakhstan when she was three years old. Really? She's 80% Mongolian um, and was adopted to this family here in Spanish Fork, Utah. Um, sees the benefits of, of adoption and, and just felt like um, that would be the best option for her child. She was meeting with other families. She had another family she'd been courting for a while. So we courted her. Uh, it's kind of like a dating sure. process. We took her to dinner every week. We That's awesome. got opened up and said, ask us anything and yeah. shared everything, showed her parts of our lives, showed her our family, introduced us to, introduced her to our house. And, and we decided to introduce her to, to Nixon. And, um, and, uh, in March, she decided this was in, um, was it March? 
I think it was March. Yeah, in March, she came and surprised us and gave us a gift basket and said that she chose us um, to be the ones to adopt. Dude, that's... <laughs> I, get, I get emotional just thinking that's that. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, basically telling us she trusts us with her baby. And, and um, he was due in June, and he came six weeks early in May. <laughs> and uh, it, was a, it was a whirlwind and, and um, just an incredible experience. And he's home. He's two and a half months that's old amazing, now. He's man. His home's name Baylor's Baylor. Baylor's name, yeah. Baylor, and Nixon's an incredible big brother, and Alyssa's still a huge part of her family. She's, she's, um, she's over at the house once a week, and we hang out, and it's, it's awesome. That's cool, man. Yeah, it's, man, what a, what a responsibility. If, I mean, I, at least I imagine for me, yeah. I'd be like, man, in, in a good way. Like, yeah. it's a very, it's, it's a, um, I, I would feel so blessed that someone be, would, would, would feel so confident to totally. let me raise the kid that, that you know they helped create like my goodness man what a what an honor you know what yeah. i mean um that's cool man that's cool nixon nixon loves baylor and everybody it just seems like everything is 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 going the right way you it know is what I mean? so yeah that's how it's how, how it's supposed to work out that's cool man well so we're, we're we're just over an hour here um one thing i just you know I, i'd like to ask is what what would you tell someone that is and it, this is kind of not not to not to you know take away from talking about the miscarriages and things, but you know just in life in general, what would you say to someone that that is, you know they're they're trying to figure out their way in life. Someone that you know they can't. It's not that they can't keep a job. It's just like they don't they haven't found something that they're that's their that they're, that you know that they're passionate about. Something they absolutely love. What would you tell someone that is working forty hours a week and they hate it, but it's it's a safe thing? What kind of advice would you give someone? Well, first, first, I'd say you're working 40 hours a week and it's because it's a safe thing. Like, I don't know how you can say that there's a safe thing after what just happened in 2020. Correct. I mean, I've my whole career in in sales and as an entrepreneur, I've I've had the conversations with people saying, no, I can't come take that road with you. I can't go take that ride with you because I need the safe thing. And I always saw that as not safe. You're not controlling your destiny when you're just because you got a nine to five and paying you a salary, like people, you, you don't have control over the outcome of what the business needs to do in order for the business to thrive. And so I'm not saying that it's bad to have a nine to five. Um, if that's, if that's what you, if that's the path you want to go and you're in, you know, there's entrepreneurs, then there's a, there's a need for employees. There's also a need for intrapreneurs. Yeah. People who are want to be inside of an organization, have the tools and the support and, and a little bit less risk. Um, but it's a win-win for both. Um, you know, if you're trying to figure out what you're passionate about, <clears throat> try things. Yeah. If you've got to stay in the nine to five cause you need to pay the bills and whatever else. Great. There's other hours in the day. Try other things, learn about other things, study other things, go to some workshops. You know, there's all, the internet connects everything now. And so find those things that make you excited that you're good at. If you can find something that really you're passionate about that you're good at, um, or that you want to become better at. Um, there's, you can make money doing anything, anything, anything. And so look, I, I've gone through periods of transition and change where I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. So yeah. you know what I did? Every person that I came in contact with, I'd ask them what they do. I'd ask them what they're excited about, what their challenges are, what the downsides are. I'd try and 
dissect what they're doing. And, and then I would be thinking of me in that position and going, oh, I like that part of that. I don't like that part of that. Okay, well, cool. And then I ask somebody else. I'm like, well, whoa, here's a couple different yeah. pieces. Yeah. You can put these together. This is my mix. Yeah. And what I found going through that whole process was like, I, I want to spend time. Um, I want to have time. I want to have freedom Correct. to do the things that I, I want to do, not just business-wise. Right. Um, I want to make a difference. I want it to be a win-win yeah. uh, scenario. But also, like, I love I love people. I want to connect with people. I want to network with people. Right. And so, you know, putting all those things together, I started a coaching company, and I started coaching people, and that's super fulfilling. And I get to connect with other people, right? And right. it also gives me some flexibility with my time. Absolutely. I started a capital company, syndicating funds for private investments. So I get to network, you know, wine and dine, talk about talk about future and business and vision with people. And, uh, and then help make money, yeah. you know? And I'm out buying dental practices, which is a win-win-win um, business opportunity that came and was completely aligned in the sense that, you know, for me as the buyer, I, I get an opportunity to make money and grow a business. Absolutely. Uh, the, the dentist, you know, gets to offload the business functions to a business person and focus on their craft and sure. be a technician. And the customer gets a better end user experience. It's a, it's a win-win-win experience. So that took time and I met with a lot of people and I had a lot of conversations to get to the three businesses that are all within two years old for me. And, um, that's awesome. but that's the process I actually went through and that's how I did it. So I, I think anyone could do that. Um, even if they, cause I know you're, some people are going to be like, well, I have a nine to five. I don't just have the opportunity to go do that. Well, you can do that in your lunch meetings. You know, you can do that in your, uh, interactions with your friends. You can do that sure. online. You can do that anywhere else and, and really just, you know, uh, focus on what you want most. And, you know, I, yeah, I love that. I think that's a hundred percent correct. And one of the other things that, um, that I've started to realize, especially with myself over the last, last few years is, you know, a lot of your free time, that's right there. You can start another business in your free time. I mean, I, I work my full-time job and then for me, I'm like, well, you know, my nights this is what I do. I, all I do all day long all day long is I'll send messages to whoever and just shoot my shot. Sometimes dude, people will read it. You know, they send you a message back and I'm like, holy, sh like this is yeah. awesome. Right. But you never know. And I, I hate social media, but I get on and now I'm trying to be more active, but dude, I hate it. I hate it. But there's such a value in social media mm -hmm. and reaching out to these people. So like you said, I mean, it's, it, I don't think that people are inherently lazy, but I think they just, they just get so dragged down from, from, the, the normal grind that they're in every day doing the same thing that when they come home, that's their time to just, to just not, not have to deal Escape, with, with anything. Distract. Right? And so for me, <laughs> I'm, I'm at the point where I, you know, I, I, I get excited about doing this podcast stuff. And so it's something that I, I want to do. It's one thing that I've actually been passionate about professionally. Um, really ever. I mean, I even track when I was in college, I mean, going to nationals and stuff, I, I hated track. Track's stupid. It's a stupid sport. If you do track, you're an idiot. I'm just kidding. But it, it just, I've never been passionate about anything. But once you start talking to these guys, because you can have just real conversations. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can, you can just talk to people about whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, so anyways, I just, I, yeah, I think, I think that's, you're hundred percent correct, man. hundred percent correct. Um, find something you're passionate about and, and like you said, you can make money doing anything. Yeah. Anything. It might not be a whole bunch of money, but I mean, you look at artists, right? I have make, a buddy. You can make a whole bunch of money doing pretty much anything. Well, that's, well, yeah, I guess <laughs> that's true. I have, an, I have a buddy. His name's Sage Barnes. He's on, he's all, he's going to be coming on the, on the show. He's, he's, 
he started out. Dude, I remember, Sage, if you're listening to this, I'm going to throw you under the bus here. We, we played basketball together against each other in high school. I used to whoop his ass every time that we played. And, uh, but anyway, so now, out of nowhere, I didn't even know that he was, that he was doing this. He was, he was big into art. So all of a sudden, I see his stuff on, on social media, and then he gets, like, verified, and I'm like, hold on. I'm like, what's going on? Then he's, he's doing work for Travis Kelsey, for GEZ, all these, like, all these people. I'm like, where did this happen? And he's just like, well, I had a little, had a, had a room in my house and started throwing some paint on, on some canvas. And he's like, I just thought it was fun. And like, you know, boom, yeah. all of a sudden it's his job, you yeah. know, and he's, he's, he, you know, he's got the nice cars and stuff. And so it just makes me so, dude, it makes me so happy seeing people just succeed and yeah. with, with something they're passionate about. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know, man, it's amazing. It is. So, well, Jeremy, I appreciate you, dude. I yeah. know it's Friday. Thanks uh, for having time me, Time to get home and, and get some dinner and yeah. <laughs> just relax. I just started week, 75 hearts. I'm on this key and my diet is keto. And I love carbs, but uh, we got a we got a date tonight to Tucano, so I'm gonna oh, have a bunch of meat. Yeah, dude, that was that was I'm one looking thing. For my, my, my so mouth I, salivating. Yeah, dude, when I did it, we went to um, we did this kind of the same thing. We went to I went to Umami over there yeah. in Orem, and and I, dude, I was just throwing I was just throwing whatever I could on the grill because yeah. I had to have meat, man. It was yeah. driving me nuts, but yeah, it was it was cool. So, all right, awesome. brother, well, uh, let's let's go ahead and end this thing, and 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 I appreciate you and. Maybe look forward to doing it again. Awesome. All right, brother. Thanks, man.